episode 245 of the Sleeper in the Bus podcast. It is your Sunday edition, and I am Paul Spore, joined as always on Sundays by Mr. Jason Collette. Jason, how are you, sir? Greetings and salutations from the city of brotherly love. Oh, wow. And I'm sure you loved what you got to sit through this afternoon as you termed it a B-Squad spring training game, uh, which is basically what the second half of that uh, straight doubleheader in Philadelphia was. I mean, listen, you can never really complain about baseball, regardless of the level, but definitely Major League Baseball and Citizens Bank's pretty nice park on a Sunday afternoon in late June. I'm just saying, of all the players that you could have watched there that would have been electric and fun to watch, the only ones you really got were uh, Michael Franco and, you know, I, I still think Ian Desmond's a pretty good hitter. I know he's not having the best year, but that that's worth watching. And that's really it, right? What, who else was in those uh, in those lineups? Dominic Brown hit cleanup. <laughs> Dominic Brown hit cleanup today in this game. They still charged me $17 for a standing room only seat, um, which I promptly snuck down and sat in the first row with my friend and his dad and his brother nice. um, and the, in right field. So uh, that's the, the way this game was. It was uh, Ian Desmond did hit a home run in it, uh, and Jose Lobaton hit a second decker. It was, I mean, you hear, heard it off the bat. All you could do is like look up. was like, where is this thing going? I'm hoping, and, and I, I Please understand, I am not trying to be mean about this, but I'm hoping it concussed a fan because in the in the second deck from the first inning on, there was some screech of a woman saying, home run, home every single pitch. And in the fifth inning of the sixth inning, we hit that home run, all of a sudden she stopped saying it. I'm hoping it That's like so it hit funny. her. So she stopped talking, but it was literally for people that remember the old Devil Ray games, the the guy that used to heckle behind home plate, you could hear him. He would pick one batter every game. You could hear him. I could hear that on on TV even. 20 times worse than that. 20 times worse. Even, even kind old ladies were turning around and yelling at this woman to shut up. That's crazy. I just don't, uh, I, I just, I just don't know how you could sit there and, and be hated. You just have to be be ready to be hated, and I guess some people can deal with that. I, I, I'm not joking. She said it. She said it like 250 times. Literally, <laughs> I I, I hated her more than Jonathan Papeldouche, and Papeldouche was in the game, I mean, and I couldn't even care. Oof. I'm like, whatever. Got to save, dominating this year. Have to give him respect for what he's doing. Still, Papeldouche. Still, uh, still. Hey, Ken Giles dominated. Oh yeah. Hey, that's good. At least listen. At the, at the rate it's going, I tell you what, as poorly as it's worked out with Ken Giles, for those of you that might have speculated on him, as Jason and I did, um, at the very least, it, it looks like it's finally going to happen. So if you waited this long and and got his 162 ERA and, uh, and the strikeouts that came with it for Giles, it looks like he'll be getting the closer's job soon because Papelbon's been excellent, so he should be very easy to trade, you know? Hello, Toronto. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We got some injuries to talk about. Uh, a lot of a lot of big ones. A lot of big injuries and then a couple of obvious ones. And then we're going to just talk about a handful of guys that uh, kind of in the news, you know. Talk about Steven Matt's debut. Ubaldo Jimenez continues to do well, and we got to figure that out. So, uh, But first, let's get into the injuries. Giancarlo Stanton, that's the big one. Apparently, his swing is so powerful that it uh, breaks bones in his hand, which really sucks because, uh, you know, it was it was the dream season, the one that everyone's been waiting for, 
it was panning out just as that uh you know last year was great but this was going to be think i think even a bigger season because of course if he can stay fully healthy and really get that 155 uh you know that, that 700 plate appearance season perhaps who knows what he could have done? 27 homers, 67 ribbies, both were leading the majors for Giancarlo Stanton. 952 OPS was just on fire. And, of course, uh, now down for at least a month. What do you think? Yeah, it really sucks what's, what's happened with him because it's the hammock bone, which we've talked about yeah. is something that's kind of tough to come back with power. For a guy that looked like he was easily on pace to achieve 50, now it's like, man, is he going to get the 40 when he comes back? Uh, I don't know. And it, what was beautiful about it, I was just talking about him on Friday uh, with a radio station. I was like, you know, for everyone who screams about lineup protection, look at what was hitting behind him. And dude was still killing the baseball this year. Uh, it, it was more important about who was in front of him, which you and I have talked about quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for everybody who wants to scream about lineup protection, explain to me why John Carlos Stanton was getting anything to hit all year long. And, and just absolutely mashing. You know, 265 average isn't huge. Uh, 346 on base, take that. The 606 slug, unreal. Uh, was pacing toward 58 homers in, in 158 games, and and obviously will come way off of that. It's unfortunate. The the crazy thing is, is that you know even with this time missed, if he comes back and he's you know a quality representation of the Stanton that we expect, let's say 90% of of him, uh, it's still going to wind up as a great season, and that and that's what he does. It's almost like Tulowitzki who puts a full season without uh, without getting the full complement of games. So you know even you know even with this for Stanton, I'm going to continue to value him extremely high. Uh, going into next year, aren't you? Yeah, we have to. And it's just the rest of this year is going to suck. I think next year he'll be just fine uh, with this. It's just the rest of this year really, it really sucks because you know, you talk about replacement level. There is no replacement for this guy. I don't care no. what you try to do. You can't, you can't replace this power. So unless you're a team that was high in home runs, then it's one thing. But if you're a middle of the pack team that was at home runs and this guy was half your fuel was was fueling your engine, it may be time to punt the category and go chase something else. That's the thing. And, and you know, anytime you lose a big home run hitter, it's it's so devastating because power's just not going to sit on the waiver wire no matter what. You know, Luis Valbuena does all that with his home runs. He's getting picked up. You lose a speed guy, it, it sucks, especially if it's like a Billy Hamilton who's driving, you know, who's the main engine, like you're saying, with Stanton in power. But you can you can f- usually find some stolen bases on the wire at almost any time. Power, no way. Uh, you say the rest of the season could be could be a problematic for, for Stanton. I'm very curious of your take the rest of the season for this guy, Anthony Rendon, right back on the uh, disabled list here, this time with a quad injury. This is the absolute downside of Anthony Rendon. Not skill-related at all, completely health. He's played 18 games, and now he's headed back on the disabled list. Where are you with him right now? Um, where I was with him a couple of weeks ago. I, you know, Again, as you said, this is the downside of him. You know health has always been an issue. Last year he stayed healthy. What are the, what's the track record of guys staying healthy two years in a row? I did... You know, I want to. I would like to go back and see what we said about him. When we did our team previews. I want to say we we were cautioning against this about a guy staying healthy. Well, if we didn't, I apologize. I love. I'm pretty him. sure we did. And with my, I gave the 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 kind of caveat or, or the or the spiel I always give where I love a guy who's 
uh, offensive profile is in place and health is the only thing missing. Health is the thing that's missing with him, but I was willing to gamble on that. So I, I, I propped him up as a very lofty pick, but I knew the risk going in. Like I, I understood the first that round, risk. but first round material. Cause I remember he was going in the first round for me. It was, I, I said late first round uh, would be viable. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll okay. take that. It was, uh, I, I was very high on him. I liked the second third base eligibility. Although I thought um, third base could be deep. It has been, uh, you know, so then you just slide him over to second, but either way, if one of those became very shallow, then all of a sudden you've got a guy there, um, I, I like the power and the speed for him. I thought he could be great, and, and you know th- this is the downside. What I think is going to end up with Rendon, uh, you know, he's only tw- he's only 25, got a lot of years ahead of him. I think he's going to be the guy you want to chase every uh, after every down year. So next year you're going to really want to get him because there's discounts going to be there, and then you gamble on the health, and then maybe he he pans out in 2016. He has a huge year. You back off because maybe something happens in 2017, then 2018 you get back on board. So anytime there's a down year, I think that's when you try to go for him to get the value from Rendon because as a first-round asset, even if he's putting up those numbers, it's just too risky with the health. Agreed, agreed. And I think a good example of that's the next guy we want to talk about is Dustin Pedroia. He's going on the disabled list with uh, quad strain, correct? Or hamstring strain? Hamstring. And, you know, he was he was playing pretty well. Obviously, he was right back. He had picked up right back where he was in 2013. Exactly. And, you know, I don't know if you remember when uh, it was it was the off season and they were talking about his rehab or whatever. It came up on intentional talk about him being yoked. And uh, they they were kind of poking fun at it, and all of a sudden he sends in these pictures of of him with his shirt off, watching yes. watching the show, and you're like, dang, he is yoked. And you're like, well, what's what's that really going to do? It's a picture. You can't go crazy over pictures. And uh, the power's been there. Nine home runs already in 69 games for Pedroia. He had seven all of last year in 135 games. Six hundred. Because the hand was messed up last year. The hand was the hand was a problem for him last year. I, I mean, the the power was just sapped, and it was there. Everything was great this year. The only thing that wasn't there was the speed. That went away last year, though. So you didn't necessarily expect it. it Speed's hit and miss anyway. It's basically if a guy wants to or if they're allowed to. Um, but but the, but the average, the runs, and the power were there for Pedroia. This is a big loss to people uh, at, at second base. And, of course, for the Red Sox, who already suck as it is. Uh, yeah, indeed. it is. Uh, it, this is not the type of guy you want to lose. It's been a rough week for, for fantasy with these injuries. It's really a stunk. At least we've had a couple other good news stories, but the injuries – uh, have have not been good. We also have some other guys coming back, which we'll talk about a little more uh, a little later. Uh, so as as guys come in, other guys come away, and uh, that's the nature of the game, man. Yeah, it, it's really the ebb and flow with injuries because they're so prevalent these days. Uh, you're right that it seems that whenever we lose, you know, I mean, those are three star players that uh, other players fill in and step up, and we and we still have you know the same amount of stars. A couple guys here we have to talk about their injury status. Uh, unfortunately, they're not surprising because they've just had the the, the track record. First is Brandon Morrow, uh, transferred to the 60-day DL. Uh, if I recall correctly, not just a week or so ago, wasn't he on his way back? And then, so this is a setback for sure. Am I? What do you mean right? transferred to the 60-day disabled list? I thought that's what his permanent address was. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, he was. He was. Shut down for two weeks on June 9th. There it was. So it was more than a couple weeks ago. It was about uh, three weeks ago that he was on his way back, and then he had to be shut down. So unfortunately, this is just the way it's been with with Brandon Morrow. And 
you know, you, you're interested in the talent and people love that he was out there in San Diego. He was playing well, but now the shoulder has him set back and, and, you know, 33 innings right now that he has so far this year, it matches his total for last year. And he only had 54 the year before that. So I don't think you can bank on him at all. If you need the roster spot, I'm fine cutting him. If yes. you need the DL spot, I should say. And um, again, moving forward, reliever. It, yeah, I mean, if they if they want to get the most out of the bullets that he's got left in his army's thirty now, I think that's the probably the best way. And unless you just want these small, you know, chunks of of starting, why not try to get the sixty five innings uh, as a reliever? I, th- I think you're right there for Morrow. And then the the next guy was also pitching very well. Uh, Jaime Garcia, you know, he's back. This guy's been battling injuries throughout his career. Very similar to Morrow in that uh, he's kind of matched his his uh, allotment of, of innings from last year. He had 48, or excuse me, he had 44 last year. He's got 48 this year, 55 the year before for Jaime Garcia. So he's not coming off very big workloads. He's going to be skipped due to a groin. What are you doing with him now? Because like I said, 48 innings, but he's pitched really well, 169 ERA. Uh, you know, the indicators say it should be a little bit higher because there hasn't been anything special except for the walk and hit prevention. And some of that hit prevention is, is probably some some good luck. But Jaime Garcia was pitching well. Do you hang on to him and see it through? Or is he someone that if you're in a mixed league, you're fine cutting this week since he's being skipped? And even if you lose him, trying to get him back next week, you don't mind. Yeah, cut city. I mean, this is, as as Ito's talked about, as many of us talked about, the best indicator for an injury is the previous injury. And and Jaime Garcia and Brandon Morrow have had plenty of them. Uh, And this is why I know a lot of guys like chasing these lottery tickets at the end of drafts. They're like, oh, I'll I'll drop a dollar on this guy. I'll drop a dollar on this guy. Well, most of the time you end up missing that first good start because you didn't think he was going to make it back in time. And then maybe you want to watch one more to see if he can do it. So maybe you got two starts out of Garcia. And, or yeah, if you no, got no. all four, good, sell. Uh, but no, that, I don't we, like these lottery. I don't like these injury lottery tickets. It's it's really tough because um, you know you want to gamble on the talent, but the health profile, like like you said, that that previous injury is the easiest way to spot another one. So we'll stay tuned on Garcia. I'd try to hold him, but if you get up in a pinch and you have to cut him in a mixed league, I understand it. Uh, let's just talk about some of the some of the guys making news recently. Let's start with the Steven Matz debut. What a weird way to make your major league debut. They have the resumption of the game from last night that was suspended. It ends up going 13 innings and pushing him back four hours, I think is what the, the final tally was for Matz. All he does is go out throw the first one, you know, like almost over the catcher. It was total nerves. Next pitch is a bomb uh, by Brandon Phillips, uh, you know, hit off the railing. Had to be reviewed. It was either going to be a stand-up double or a bomb. Ended up being a bomb. Turns out the review probably helped him to calm down that extra Mm -hmm. time there. All of a sudden he reels off seven and two-thirds, five hits, two runs, both homers. Um, uh, Frazier got him later. No no crime in that. Speaking of Frazier, 625 slug now for Frazier. Dude, I'm telling you, go back and listen to the solo podcast I did that was dedicated to calling Todd Frazier a top 10 player about a month ago. Holy crap. He's been amazing. I love Todd Frazier. I'm fully in. I only have him in one league. I'm fully in, though. I, I Yeah, totally, totally bought in. Um, but finishing up Matt's line, 6Ks, 3 walks. So great debut. 
the kicker three for three with four ribbies. He was the <laughs> freaking offense for them. Unbelievable stuff. Just, just, just crazy stuff. So great debut for Matt. Obviously, folks were really waiting for him to come up. He was amazing at uh, at AAA. And, and sure, you want to be careful with any AAA numbers, but when you consider his his ERA where it was acquired, 2.19 ERA in Las Vegas, PCL. Holy cow! How special can this guy be? Is he going to be someone that could be the the, the Degrom who uh, comes up around this time and takes over and has Rookie of the Year aspirations, or is it uh, more of a solid but not quite that spectacular? As somebody who is a fan of a team that has drafted and developed a lot of pitching, I am envious of where the Mets are these days. Right. When they, when everybody comes back, when they've got Harvey and they've got DeGrom and they've got Wheeler and they've got Mats and they've got Syndergaard, that's effing filthy what they can be able to put together. It's un- it's un- it's, it really is. I mean, as a Mets fan, you, you have to be excited about the future. I mean – with this, with this game, the hitting aside, you know, why he and Syndergaard hit in the minor leagues. All right, well, these guys have bats, but you look at, you know, swing and miss rate. He ended up with 11 swings and misses as a rookie. Not bad. 70, 70 fastballs. Uh, I'm looking at 27 breaking balls and 12 off-speed pitches is what okay. I'm looking at a split. So, you know, establishes fastball and, got, you know, they, they swung quite a bit through. Uh, strike rate was right about average, 66% strikes with his fastball. That's what you want to see from the kid. I mean, he has all five of those guys are basically none of them are any worse than a three. No, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. The embarrassment of riches that they have. Obviously, the talk is they've got to move some of it to get some hitting. I think that's true. It's easier said than done, though. So, I, you know, I'm sure they're trying, but they're trying yeah, to get rid they of said the that every year in Tampa pieces. Bay too. said that every year in Tampa Bay, it never happens. Well, it, because you can never have too much pitching, and I think teams realize that. It, it yep. doesn't take long for this amazing depth to turn into you're barely clutching on, and you've got some other triple layer who's 32 years old making your fifth starts. So, you know, you, you get it when teams want to be cautious. By the way, I misspoke on DeGrom. He'd already had nine starts uh, by this point last year. So it'd be pretty tough. Even if even if Steven Matz did what DeGrom did from this point on last year, which was a 210 ERA with 99 strikeouts and 86 innings, that's amazing, by the way, I think there's just too much rookie impact for that to be enough. Um, it, it's just... We've already got so many guys who are doing so much and are going to continue to add to that that I don't even think an amazing run like that from Matt's would be enough. Not that it matters, Rookie of the Year, uh, the, the the awards, but I think it, Matt's can be an impact arm uh, on the fantasy landscape. What kind of uh, fab are you trying to drop here? Let's say mixed league, 12 team, obviously have a need for pitching. What 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 remaining percentage of your budget, $0 bids, are allowed, and then we'll say without being allowed. Uh, honestly, with the hype, you're going to have to be extremely aggressive with this one because this is a guy that was hyped up during spring training, hyped up in the offseason, comes up and does what he does in his major league debut. Uh, this is a guy you're going to have to be pretty aggressive on. And frankly, uh, it is a rookie, but I'd rather I'd rather drop my money on him and get another you know another four or five starts out of him, and other versus waiting until the trade deadline and seeing which guy, especially if you're in an only league. So I'm talking, let's talk about NL only for a second. If I'm in an NL only league, I'd rather be aggressive with my bid on mats and really aggressive Definitely. and get the extra four or five starts versus waiting to see which American League guy crosses over. By the way, uh, I'm learning that you know. Normally, you'd think NL only league, he shouldn't even, he's probably not even available. A lot of these leagues, 
don't even allow you to pick up minor leaguers until they're up. I so, wish we had more. Uh, I mean, my, my AL home league is like that, and I like that rule. Uh, I wish because it, it creates, creates a, cool bids. Yeah, it does. It really does. Or or it emphasizes it's a we're in a dynasty league. So in ALC, oh, nice people. If you make the draft pick, you get the you know, if you do your homework, you get them. Otherwise, you get to wait until they come up. Yeah. Uh, so I think if, if you if you really want your chance at the guy, do it that way. And I like that rule. I mean, in in Tal Wars, we don't have it. And I, I, you know, I don't like that. Like, you know, Chris, let's got Carlos Correa uncontested for one dollar. And all of a sudden, Chris List is blowing up in the standings because he was able to get Carlos Correa three weeks before he was even called up yeah. to Triple A. To AAA. Wow. He got him, and all he had to do was all you got to do was carry him one week, carry and you can throw him in your minors, yeah. and that's it. And you know, I think it would have been off interesting. The list, by the way, this is yeah, not sure. A, a complaint. I, I mean, of I just lists. didn't know. Right, right. I, it just you playing within the rules. I didn't even know. I just assumed he was on somebody's roster, just like Byron Buxton was on somebody's roster. So I was like, I didn't, never, never even would have thought to look at Carlos Correa. And plus, some of that is the way the OnRoto website, it, it splits up it's your tough. hitters. So you have your major league hitters and you have your minor league hitters. Like, I have a bid in on Richie Schaefer tonight because they, the, the Rays started, have started playing him at first base down in the minor leagues. He's in AAA. He has a good chance. You can see if they're staying in contention. They call him up later in the season to give them a right-handed bat against left-handed pitching that Loney can't handle uh, or give Longoria a day off every now and then because nobody else can really do that job. So uh, I put a bid on, on him, and I'm going to have to carry him. If I win him, I have to carry him for a week. Um, I thought about doing it during the uh, – perhaps doing it during the All-Star break, so I only have to carry him three days. Ooh, yeah. But but I think by then it may be a little too late, so I'm going to go ahead and take a shot now. How do you spell that, that Schaefer? S-H-A-F-F-E-R. S-H-A – F-F-E-R. Oh, sweet. Just looking them up. Sorry, folks. Um, no, I, I, I hear you on preferring to keep these guys, uh, you know, uh, unpickupable uh, un- until until they're called up. Um, unless they drafted, like you said, you know, I have my, I have an NL only league where we have a minor league taxi squad that runs about five deep, and so you know a lot of the good ones are are taken, but sometimes there are there are guys like uh, Matt's types that who who fall through and and create a good bidding process. So if you don't do minor leaguers, then I definitely think uh, banning them being picked up until they are actually called up helps the league. I think I, it helps the the fun of the league quite a bit as far as I'm concerned because when there's that buzz you want to go check your league to see if he's available and so often they're not and it's, it's kind of a bummer so I, I kind of like that uh, barring them so great great debut for Matt's I agree with Jason got to be very aggressive I would say upwards of you know 65 75 percent of your budget uh, left to get him, and that's if you have a good good stash you might take all of your stash if you really need the pitching. Go for it. This is the. It could be great. It might not be because it's a rookie. But the fact that it could be great, uh, more so than probably anything else that's going to come up this year, that's why you take the risk. Jason, you know who's kind of been great this year that I don't even really like saying because it feels weird and gross. It's Yuvaldo Jimenez, and the reason that I'm starting, you know, I've recently been kind of like eyeballing it and starting to kind of buy in is the walk rate it's it's maintained a career best all year uh he's at eight percent which i know is, it's not even great that's not even a great walk rate uh that, that's pedestrian for some folks downright bad for others control artists would consider that bad but for ubaldo it's a career best paired with a 24 percent strikeout rate 46 percent ground ball rate 
all told, it's looking like a nice profile. Whip is still high for Ubaldo, but I like the 309 ERA. Are you buying in on this at all? Uh, it's it's really weird to say. I want to say you know you want to say hey Baltimore's really good at fixing pitchers, and you know they have been for the most part. If you think about, uh, I believe Hamill got his resurgence there. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you know, if he, and but they can't fix Chris Tillman right now either. So which way does it go? That's true. Or Jake Arrieta. Yeah, Jake Arrieta. That was something too. And then it, you know he. Uh, broke off with him. It's really tough with Abaldo because he's one of these guys, and it's something I wrote about it when we talk about somebody else here in a little bit. It's you know once you get these opinions of somebody, it's really tough. It takes a lot to change your mind. And so I, I've I've had Abaldo in the past. He's torched me in the past. So I'm like, okay, what do I like? Strikeout rate up. Okay, good. Walk rate down. Okay, that's good. He's keeping the ball in the park. That's good. Batting average on balls in play is actually a little on the high side compared to his 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 uh, career rate. Strand rate is a uh, is on the it's Fine. inflated it's inflated good. but it's it, there but it's everything a good else, one but not not crazy right he's doing he's doing this now my problem is whether I've always had with him mechanically he still worries me this kind of exactly. stuff this kind of stuff it, why it's working now it could get out of whack and then he could go right back to sucking again so I'm afraid that I've missed his best baseball I don't think he can get better than this but history shows us he can get worse than this. And and you made the exact point that always worries me with him. It, it can leave him in a second. It, when it clicks, if it's locked in, it's good, and it can be good for a while because he has a lot of talent. But when Ubaldo's off, he's way, way, way off, and he no longer has the overpowering stuff to uh, you know, give him any sort of leeway as he did with the Rockies when he was averaging 96 on his fastball. He's down at 91, 92 now, which you know, a lot of movement. So there, there are some good things here. I'd be cautious if you're if you're bought in here. I'd be cautious and ready to jump at a moment's notice. The problem is we're seeing so many of these just utter thrashings that guys are taking. You know, like less than an inning, seven, eight, nine earned runs. Ubaldo's capable of that. And then all of a sudden. All of the good work is erased. That's absolutely. That, that's the scary thing is that you know I I guess anyone is capable of it. If you if you're going to go out to pitch, it can happen to you. It's you know happen to Felix. It happens to to quality guys too. But if you're trying to talk about probabilities, who who could have one against who might not? Ubaldo's definitely closer to the end of who could, and that's what that. And then you lose, like I said, you lose all that good work. So if you're bought in, I'd be trying to sell out. You're not going to get something great. Don't don't ask for the moon. Just ask for something decent if you're trying to trade him. Here's one thing. Here's one thing I will say in his defense, though. What is the most important pitch a pitcher can pitch? Fastball. Strike one. Oh yeah, absolutely. First pitch strike rate. First pitch strike rate for Baldo Jimenez this year is sixty percent. It is a career best for him. So you look at you look at the the numbers for pitchers when they're ahead on first strike, how it works in their favor. I mean, let's not forget it, it's still a matchup. It's zero zero. It's still a matchup that favors the pitcher. They're going to win seventy percent of the time. You get ahead with first strike. It it's it's really nice for you. His first strike his first strike pitch rate is at a career best right now. 60%. That is where you can look at. That's where you can find some of his success because you look at everything else. They're not chasing very much more than they were. No. You know, they're, 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 his swing rate on pitches in the strike zone is the same. Uh, his contact on pitches out of the zone, that's down as well. But that's because he's getting ahead with first pitch strikes. He gets to expand his strike zone. And not the batters don't get to the, the reduce theirs. And that's what, as long as he can do that, 
then this could continue. I think what this tells us about Ubaldo, though, is that his base skill set, even when he was putting up some of those ugly ERAs, has always been pretty good. And that if he'd had this capability of, of getting ahead of, with batters more regularly, then he, he maybe would have panned out at, at, at closer to the peak that we saw in flashes and spurts with Ubaldo. So that's a good find there on that first pitch strike rate. We'll keep an eye on that. And I think that that will be your good gauge. If, if you're thinking the wheels are coming off and you see a bad outing and it's still at 60% in that outing, maybe don't get freaked out. If you see a couple bad outings and it's at 55 50% first pitch strikes, that's when you jump off board. Let's talk about uh, Mike Montgomery, a former you know, big-time prospect. Really started to look like a flame-out, though. Obviously, started with the, with the Royals, became part of the big Will Myers deal. You know, He was still a pretty prominent piece in that deal when it happened and then gets sent over uh, to Seattle. How, 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 what, what was that trade? Was, there, was that a trade or was it – I'm trying to he said, Yeah, for Eraser, there. for the Eraser. Oh, that's right. Okay, so it's actually worked out very well for both clubs. Yeah, it's, uh, the only reason I, it's the only reason I'm really not upset about it because the Rays got the guy that I like better. Your broken uh, prospect for our broken prospect, whoever can fix it first wins, and well, they tied. Well, the flexibility is that Mike Montgomery had options and, yeah. and Eraser did not. So that in the Rays, this is when they were going through their injuries and he needed to have somebody – and, you know, when, when that deal happened, that's what always told me what the team thought of them. They traded a pitcher with options, which is something they don't do. Because uh, they're so valuable. And then, frankly, when you talked, you know, you and I were in Arizona first uh, at first pitch, and, and we, we've seen him pitch out there. Uh, we, we saw the, uh, the track man data, talked about the, the low spin rate on his pitches, um, and, and talking to a couple of people that I know, a couple of people that we know, meh was about the yeah. best opinion we could get of this. And then he comes up and, I mean, he just he just went through and threw a complete game shutout against the Royals. And that's a tough team to do that against because they're a high-contact team. But I, 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 made the, I made a joke a couple of weeks ago saying, I think one way to beat the Royals is to pitch to contact because they seem to really kick ass against the, the flamethrowers that go for strikeouts. You're right. But I, I want to go back and look at the pitchers that have shut them down. And for the... In my mind, I'm picturing guys like this, guys that cut to both sides of the plate and don't go for the strikeouts and go for the out. I mean, but and then again, in this game, he struck out 10 guys. And that's what I really don't see because he only had eight strikeouts in his previous three games. And he had 12 over his previous four. And then he almost doubles it against the best contact team in baseball. And this is why I love baseball because it's so damn unpredictable. But nobody, I never would have seen this game coming from him. I love it because I have him. I have him in, in Tout Wars, and I've had him for all five of these starts, and he's saving my ass. That's awesome. I'm going to go with the narrative on the the KC game and say it was revenge. He's mad. He just how, how dare you trade sure. me? I didn't want to go sure. to Tampa Bay. I'm going to step up and and crush y'all. Put a little extra oomph there. Maybe a little bit tighter break on his pitches a little bit more uh mile per hour there when he needed it just to get those strikeouts great game for him i think this is somebody that you can buy in on uh, at a reasonable level i think even in mixed leagues i'd be willing to run him out if my strikeouts were secure uh that's the only stipulation that i have for him in mixed leagues uh right. sh shallow ones 10 12 teamers you know 10 teamer probably still just a stream 12 team you can pretty much keep him around uh, great home park Maybe don't let him get into too terrible of an environment uh, or go to Toronto or anything like that for Montgomery. But um, in, in AL only league, definitely already on a team. Uh, deeper mixed leagues, I'm fr 
fine adding him no matter what your situation is, even if you just need pitching help in general. Um, all right, next up on the slate here is Taiwan Walker, his teammate. Much different situation here uh, in terms of the the value of these two players. Of course, their ownership rates are much different too because even though Taiwan Walker has a 4.64 ERA for the season, um, he's been – much, 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 much better of late. Uh, so his ownership rates are soaring lately. What are you seeing lately from Taiwan Walker? Yeah, and, and obviously this is a guy, he's the subject of my piece that's going up at Rotowire tomorrow. Uh, this is a guy that I've been, long been on record that I just basically call Edwin Jackson 2.0. Uh, and a guy that's always fr- he's always frustrated me because, you know, two right-handed guys that have live arms that, you know, flash potential and then frustrates you and and their mechanics work against them so a couple of things with walker you know, his first nine starts this year 733 era 184 whip 19 percent strikeout rate 11 percent walk rate 358 batting average and balls in play last six 191 era 0.87 whip 217 batting average against 27 percent strikeout rate two percent walk rate 44 strikeouts to three walks three walks 42.1 innings. He is rocking it lately. And then when you, when you look at it, basically what I broke down is looked at it and a couple of things that I saw come and play with him. He's using his fastball more. I mean, this is essentially a two-pitch pitcher. He's fastball and really change-up. He used to be fastball cutter. Uh, and then I, I meant – I remember something i went back and checked the new pitch tracker and during spring training he said he was going to sh- throw away his cutter and turn it into a slider because it had more depth to it is what he said um ah. according to according to brooks baseball tywin walker hasn't thrown a slider all day near <laughs> he's been throwing cutters but early on in the season he was really cutter heavy and then his cutter usage has steadily declined 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 and he said you know what Forget the cutter. I'm going with more fastballs. So he's been primarily a fastball splitter guy, uh, and he's getting the swings and misses. He that's a primary. It's a perfect matchup against the Astros. I mean, he struck out ten or eleven of those guys. Yeah, uh, but we're, we're getting back to what we were talking about with uh, Ivaldo Jimenez. Taiwan Walker's been able to get it, do better with his first pitches. And it used to be, you know, he was. This is a guy that you never think of him as a guy that that does well with his command, but he was trying to throw all types of pitches on first pitch. And you know, when you're looking at a guy throwing 30% non-fastballs on first pitch who doesn't command his fastball well, what are you doing? You know, so now he's almost 80% with his first pitch fastballs. And what I really like is that he's throwing his splitter as a first pitch, something he didn't do during those first nine starts. So, he, you know, if you look at an advanced scanning report and they're going to say, hey, walk, be ready for the fastball early. Walker's going to try to establish it early. But you got to also watch out for the splitter. And if it's looking the same out of his hand, we see it with any type of pitcher that's throwing fastball splitter, like Koji Yohari. You know he's going to throw 88, but then he busts the 81 and you look stupid. Exactly. So, and this is the thing with Tyrone Walker. He's just getting his percentage. If I'm looking at his uh, with his fastball, his strike rate on first pitch went from 61 to 71%. Called strike rate 46 to 59%. Wow. And he his his batting average on on first pitch fastballs batting average of balls in play on first pitch fastballs was 474. <laughs> now it's now it's 250. 
I'm sorry, I take it back. His batting average, his batting average was also 474 because all of them were hitting the play. There were no home runs. That's crazy. But his batting average was two is 250 now on first pitch fastballs, 182 BABIP on those pitches. So he's doing a better job of getting the called strikes, getting the strikes, and establishing that fastball early to get up in the count where he can then throw the other pitches. Uh, instead of screwing around with first, trying to get cute on first pitch, it's just come out and throw a first pitch fastball for strike. Just locate it well. Right now he's doing it. And I mentioned about mechanics working against him. Next time you watch Tywan Walker, I mean, he's a big dude. He's 6'4", 6'5". He's a short strider. Watch, watch his delivery. He's not one of these guys... I'm not talking like Tim Linscombe crazy jumping or or uh, Jordan Walden, but for all intents all intents and purposes, Tywin Walker is a short strider. He does not get a long stride, so he's kind of upright. And when you do that, when you short stride, sometimes you come down hard in that front foot and you fly open a little bit. And that's when you see if you go back and think of let me think of a Tywin Walker bad start. It's when you know he's missing up and away with stuff, and some of that can get with the mechanics. So that's why I say. The same thing what I said with Ubaldo. He's doing well. You see why he's doing well. But mechanically, it could go away again. So, again, is if you, there was I, I couldn't even recommend picking up Tyler Walker nine starts ago. Somebody no. asked me a week and a half ago, and I was like, you know what? I'm still going to be pessimistic on him. I, I'm still, you know, he, what he's doing right now is, is legit. You can see where it's coming from. Sure. But, again, we're talking a larger body of work that says yeah, he struggled with com- – Command mechanics work against him, so I'm afraid. You know, long term, I I don't know. I, I'm not very high on this guy still. And I'm okay. not trying to be biased because I think of him as Edwin Jackson. <laughs> but mechanically, I, I really, when I look at this guy, I still can see if this if the, if the first pitch fastball stuff falls apart, then it all goes away. I think that's a good point. Staying on the topic of pitchers you've recently written about, let's talk about Colin McHugh. Uh, who you wrote about a couple weeks ago saying he was someone to buy. What's up with him? Another win today. Three straight wins. Uh, you know, he's he's had this thing where he's had some, in the Rockies game. He gave the first the three-run first inning home run to Carlos Gonzalez in Coors Field and then shut the Rockies down from there on. Then he went out and shut down the uh, two runs eight, over eight innings to the Angels. And then he did it to the Yankees again uh, with one run, struck out nine uh, against the Yankees today. So... It's a nice example of a guy that kind of hit rock bottom when he had that disastrous start against the Mariners where he didn't even make it out of the fourth inning, gave up eight earned runs. His ERA jumped almost the three quarters of a run. Buy. That's that's your buying opportunity. You buy. You buy him at a discount. I mean, not the the Luke Gregerson price that I paid for him, but I paid Luke Gregerson price a few weeks prior to that. I bought him back and he had a 409 ERA, and now he's he's heading his way back down there. But that's a guy, uh, again – the overall numbers aren't where they were last year, but he's showing signs of turning it around right now. Speaking of the buy low opportunity uh, of a lifetime that that most people probably passed and, and are regretting, Steven Strasburg uh, had another dominant outing on Sunday. The Phillies. It was the Phillies. I, I understand. Um, and, and it was Atlanta the first time. Atlanta's probably league average against righties. They're terrible against lefties. But the stuff that he was throwing with it. Uh, the, the, the point is, is it, it's hardest to buy somebody like Strasburg when he's got a six ERA, uh, oh, yeah. you know, uh, for four different starts. At the end of those four, four starts in a row, his ERA was six or higher. Um, and there's injury talk. Obviously, he was out for, for a while then, uh, for three weeks. It, that's the hardest time, but that's the time that you do it. And now you got 12 innings, two runs so far with 15 strikeouts. And again, I know it's Atlanta and Philly, 
that's the best part of the division that he's in. But um, I, I think that that I commend anyone who bought there. I didn't. Uh, I had him in one league. I held tight. I wasn't going to sell him at all. Uh, I talked about buying. I wanted to buy. I just I didn't pull the trigger. And I think that uh, he's going to make those who did look very smart. Strasburg, the the stuff looks crisp. I'm I'm excited about uh, him going forward. Can I say this? He was the subject of my article for Baseball HQ a few weeks ago. Dude, who are you going to write about next week? So I can go ahead and <laughs> pick them up right now. I don't know, but it's a good. Pretty much, I said all he's got to do maybe this time off can give him a realignment so he can uh, so he can get things done. Oh my God, the Orioles are seriously going to the pen up eight nothing in the ninth inning because two guys reached base. Come on, man, that's ridiculous. Like. Get this game done. That's insane. Uh, speaking of guys who got a realignment, throwing you a little bit of a curveball here as we transition into some pitchers. We're going to get back or into some hitters. We're going to get back to one more pitcher that you want to talk about. But uh, it looks like the time off did Victor Martinez well, exactly what it needed to. His power's back. Ma- amazing hit today. I don't know if you were able to follow that game at all. Robin Ventura is not good at decisions or at least wasn't today uh very bad hey hey you got a vote of confidence yesterday very does it matter very bad decisions first off letting bases get loaded with no outs letting samarja face miguel cabrera in that situation was unreal so bad unjustifiable on all counts he strikes him out awesome samarja like muscled up, whatever you want to say, took everything he got, put it in there, three, four pitches. Uh, Miggy wasn't on any of it, gassed him. Great. But I thought he gave everything he had there. You, you made it. Your dumb decision worked. Now get him out. Let's him face Victor Martinez. Unbelievable. Oh like the Miggy decision was criminal. Whatever is 10 times worse than criminal is what this was. It was unbelievable. It was such a bad, I can't believe you would put a guy in that position, especially someone like Samarja who had been uh, pitching well of late. And, and, you know, you're trying to rebuild him back up this year in terms of his numbers, get him out of there on a high note uh, of, of striking out Miggy and turn it over to the bullpen. Nope. Victor jumps on the first pitch fastball, laces it into triples alley, turns out to be doubles alley for Victor. Uh, just another huge hit. His power looks like it's back. That was another guy really tough to buy low. It's 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 easy to say, tough to do, but if you did, I think it's really going to pay off. Uh, we've seen four do- uh, three doubles since it, uh, just in the last four games here. Uh, a home run earlier, I think it was last Sunday. Uh, so Victor's power, I think it's back. The time off did him well. Have you seen any of the games since he's been back? I have not, but it, it, this was honestly pretty simple. It, we've talked about it. Power hitters that don't have their legs don't hit for power. Power hitters that do have healthy legs hit for power. That, I mean, it is a, it is a pretty neat equation. <laughs> simple. But, I mean, it really is. It's simple. I don't care how strong your upper half is. If you don't, if you can't use your lower half properly in a swing, you're not gonna. You get. You have warning track power. And when you're able to do, when you're able to use everything in sync, you hit the ball like Victor Martinez. His hitting skills are never gonna be questioned. The power wasn't there because he wasn't there. Yeah, it it wasn't a drop off in skill. Uh, that was purely health related. I think uh, everyone understood that. And uh, but the the age I think made it tough to buy too. And people were, you know, well, what power level are we expecting? I'm probably expecting, uh, you know, maybe another 
12, 13 homers this year. Uh, you know, nothing crazy. I just, I, you know, last year's power outburst was excellent. Maybe he gets hot and, and, and really slugs it and hits 18 or something like that the rest of the way. But it's not going to be amazing power for Victor. It's going to be more of what he was before 2014, which was still an excellent hitter. Let's shift back to pitching. Uh, there's one more guy we want to talk about before we wrap up with a couple of hitters. Matt Moore is slated to make his return, I believe, this week. And, yes. uh, you know, this was a guy that you and I were really excited about when he was younger. Uh, it, it's crazy to think how long ago that was because it doesn't seem that long ago. But, you know, back in 2011 when he made his little mini debut and then with the, that that preseason uh, before his first full year, I was so gung-ho. I was really excited about him. And, you know, the, the stuff's been there and, and the dominance has been there in spurts, but a lot of times it's been walks that have killed him. He has a career 4.3 uh, walks per nine for Matt Moore. So he's got a 353 ERA in 347 innings. He's on his way back from Tommy John after just 10 innings uh, in 2014. Where are you? Where do you stand with this uh, Rays lefty now? Uh, where I was before he got hurt. I mean, honestly, with him, pitch efficiency is always is going to be his issue. He doesn't. You know, I've been following what he's been doing what he's been doing down in the, in the minors right now. And for him, it's a matter of, you know, his pitch count is he's been, you know, 95 pitches through five innings. That's not efficient. That's really not what they, they, so when you think about Matt Moore, the velocity is he's touched as high as 93. So, you know, uh, separate yourself from the old Matt Moore. That was 95, 96. And let's, let's live with a guy that's going to be in his nineties, uh, low nineties for him. You really have to look at it and say, can he command his fastball? Uh, reports from what I've heard is, you know, he does. He's still missing his spots from time to time. You've seen a few home runs uh, from him, and that is that was something that was that he was struggling with with the, the home runs down there. I yeah. think what's going to happen is he's going to go into the rotation. I think Alex Colomay is going to become his caddy. So because they they sent down they sent down Matt Andres, who surprisingly pitched well. I think he's a a Jake Odorizzi slash Andy Sonnenstein hybrid because he just slings it up there. Uh, but he's pitched well, but I think they're sending him down to AAA to keep him stretched out because who knows who else is going to get hurt the way this season's gone for them. So send him down to AAA, let him pitch. Alex Colomay will go to the bullpen when Matt Moore comes back because Erasmus Ramirez also comes back next week because he had his last start skipped. And that gives him a rotation. And then Odorizzi's back shortly thereafter. And so you know, things are starting to come together. Certain things are starting to come together for them. And then John Jaso's out on rehab right now. So he is probably a week away. And uh, Desmond Jennings hit the 600. He hit the 600 day oh, yeah. disabled list. So, uh, you know, I August. Saw that. August for him, but Loney's also coming back. So That's they're right. all that they're getting the all of these. They're trying to get all these pieces, and uh, it, it, so they're they're just about that close with it. So um, I'm not Matt Moore. I'm really I'm I'm glad he's back, but you know this is still going to be an end of the rotation guy for me this year. Yeah, I think it's still going to be a work in progress, especially coming off of Tommy John for him. This wasn't a guy who was coming back like a Matt Harvey or a Jose Fernandez as a, a relatively finished product or at least a, a high-quality product as is. Uh, we're coming in with Matt Moore a little bit uh, with work to be done as is plus the injuries. So cool with the expectations. You know, if you want to gamble in, in a mixed league as a spot starter and, you, and you're holding him in a DL spot right now, I get it. But uh, I would have a very short leash in any sort of mixed league right now. Uh, otherwise, it's an AL play for me trying to catch some lightning in a bottle. 
Yeah, I mean, what is he if he's if he's not pitch efficient, it's going to be tough for him to get wins. Yep. You know, if he is, you know, if his and ratio is, and his whip, yes, absolutely. They're, they're, I can see him going 80 pitches his first and after his first time out or something. But his whip's going to suck because he's Matt Moore and his whip has pretty much <laughs> always sucked. I can you know, see four inning outings just because they don't give a crap about a, a getting him a W. If he if they gave him four good ones and he's up at 77 pitches or something, they'll be like, eh, you're done. Absolutely, absolutely. I honestly see Alex Colome being his caddy. And when yeah. more pitches, Colomay's the first guy out of the pen to give them multiple innings before they hand it over to the next guy. And it'll work uh, because Colome can be great in short bursts. He's had some starts that have, have gotten off to real, you know, gone several innings of, of doing really well and then kind of breaks down. They've got a lot of guys like that right now that they're managing brilliantly, I think, uh, which is why they're in first place. The Rays, it's been unbelievable. You know, Carnes, Ramirez, these guys aren't necessarily cut out to go three, four times through the order, uh, at least not regularly with the, with the three times. So they'll cut it when, when it's not going well. And that's why they're getting good work out of both of those guys, all their guys, really. It's just been, it's been really impressive. And the fact that they're adding reinforcements to this first, first place team they're not going to really have to make trades these are their trade acquisitions and they're getting them back you know all over all over july as opposed to just on one day agreed all right right let's talk about a couple hitters here that are going to be probably pretty hot on on waivers right now if they're uh you know depending on how your league works if it's not a pick them up every day sort of situation because this guy uh justin turner has been on fire he's getting picked up in leagues left and right kind of qualify everywhere sort of guy uh the real crazy thing had a great year last year 340 average seven homers six stolen bases 897 ops for turner and 322 plate appearances great season but really only nl nl only functional or super deep mix where anybody who's breathing uh is helpful and then you can slot him into all those different spots this year's been a different story he's already got 199 plate appearances 11 homers 36 ribbies uh only one stolen base that those six last year were weird that's not what you're counting on him for the fact is you got Justin Turner. He can play everywhere, hitting 320, 392 on base. All these skills, they've come out of nowhere. There was no inkling of this as a Met. This is newly found skill as far as I'm concerned because he just wasn't this kind of hitter with the, with the power and the line driveway. He, he had some of these plate skills with the with, – didn't strike out much and could take a walk, but nothing else behind it. Now he's got this pop. Where are you at on Justin Turner? Are you buying any of this? Uh, I bought him in a couple of leagues a few weeks ago. But what's crazy about him is, you know, last year we'd look at it and say, okay, he had a 327 BABIP in 2013, a 404 last year. Oh, that's got to come down. Well, it has. It came right back down to 326. But then his his triple slash line is better than it was yeah. last year. When you look at his overall production, it, it's this is it's crazy to look at this statistically and say, okay, how is he doing this? I mean, he's his strikeout rate has improved from last year while he's walking the same, but he's hitting the crap out of the ball. He's Destroying hitting hard. Destroying it. That's the thing. He's making really hard contact. And that's when you look at it and say, wow, for a guy to have a 264 ISO when his ISO from the past two seasons combined is two fifty-eight. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> add up. This is it's, weird at thirty. It really is. I mean, sometimes, well, not, I don't know. Sometimes you see these guys with this power prime at 28 to 31, but I think it's weird if you combine the age, the ballpark that this stuff is happening in. Well, and I, I will, just, I will wow. say on, on Chavez Ravine, it, it actually inflates homers. Um, so he, he, he can be getting a homer boost from that park. 
it's not too bad for homers. Um, he's a right-hander, right? So I'm it's sorry? Not, uh, he's Justin Turner's a right-hander, I believe. Yes. So it, yes. it, it, it's it's a little bit favorable to right-handers. It's very favorable to left-handers, Chavez Ravine. So this is crazy. I'd pick him up, obviously. Um, I've got him actually in, in two leagues. The fact that he, he his, his qualification makes him an automatic pickup well before this, I think, to be honest. The fact that he qualifies at shortstop, I don't think he needed this hot power run to be viable in a lot of leagues because of how poor shortstop's been. I think it's just been this burst. He's now got six homers and a 1054 OPS in June. I think it's this burst that's really put him on the landscape. But he he, he should have been owned. Justin Turner should have been owned in leagues well before this as far as I'm concerned. But maybe that's just because I played deeper leagues. I'm not even trying to be, like, arrogant about it because it doesn't really matter. Uh, maybe not viable for 10-teamers much before this. But I think anything else – just the way shortstop is, Justin Turner's been viable for a while now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've got him in my, I've got him in my lineup, but I, I have Pablo Sandoval on my bench. Ah, oh, dude, that guy. Don't even. I mean, at least he hits righties, but it's been ugly. Uh, let's finish. Well, with at least the guy. he gave up, at least he gave up switch hitting too. I, I, what is even going on with Boston? Not that I really care or feel bad or anything, but it's oh, they, it's a nightmare. It's a they sw- nightmare. took two or three from the Rays this weekend. Stupid jerks. Which is frustrating, I'm sure, as a Rays fan to watch that debacle win any games. Uh, Jason, while, while we're while we're doing the Jason Clett praise hour about uh, guys that you touted, <laughs> I'm sorry we didn't get Brett Gardner in, by the way, because that was a call that you were adamant about, and he's been amazing. But I did that on Twitter for you. Uh, well, let's finish up with a very low-level one. That, that so you're not just hitting rich for the mixed leaguers you're bringing the the only leaguers some gems as well Josh Fegley was a guy you spoke positively of uh, regularly in the preseason regularly meaning probably like two different times because it's not like we would be talking about uh, the A's or Josh Fegley all that often but you spoke highly of him you liked him as a power uh, C2 uh, so you got to be two catcher league because he wasn't going to be a full timer Fegley's been great uh, 293 average. 349 OBP, 545 slug, five homers in 109 plate appearances. The perfect catcher, too. What do you think of your boy Fegley? That's exactly what I called him. I said he's the perfect catcher, too. Back in February? Perfect catcher. When we were talking to him, I said I saw I watched him play in Charlotte and said he's got some pomp, and this is the kind of guy that could uh, do well in Oakland, and he is. Uh, unfortunately, I only own him in one league. That's what pisses me off. Uh. When, I kept getting snaked. I, got, I was like, he, I'm going to get him a dollar days. This will be a no-brainer. And, like, he went for three bucks in talent to Lar, and he went to, like, two bucks in, in my home league to somebody else. I'm like, damn it, can I get the guy that I was hyping all spring? That's hilarious. Oh, well. uh, I, I, got, I, got, uh, I got him for $3 two different times as well. I, I'm, uh, I was a fan. You had me sold. I'll tell you what, though. I made a mistake for our club. Uh, when I had a chance to get him, I went with Carlos Perez between our, those two for a backup catcher because uh, of I must have been time. on vacation. I must it, have been on vacation. It was a playing time situation. You actually mentioned that you liked Fegley, uh, but were fine with with either. And uh, I, I made the wrong choice. Unfortunately, we had a bad week on, uh, in in the league. We were you know eleventh based on uh, you know kind of the the week. If you knew the week numbers, our pitching has just really since getting Felix first it's off been he, worse. he started with that dud uh, yeah. obviously he's he's smoothed out since then but it's been a nightmare we're catching nightmares left and right Trevor May Eduardo Rodriguez it is 
brutal. The only thing that's worked out recently has been our uh, Brett Cecil for Ian Kennedy deal. Sorry about Cecil losing the job there, uh, Mr. Zola, but we're very happy with that deal so far. Kennedy has been sharp. We made the moves. I th- I thought we had the staff, but it's just not working. Eduardo's we're shuffling. It's the Titanic, man. We're shuffling the chairs. It, it, it's yeah. It's it's so frustrating. I, I I like a lot of what we did with this club, but it's just not there. Uh, we're sitting. I mean, we're sitting mid pack. I don't want to paint some awful picture. We're dead in the middle there, seventh place. But it's 28 pitching points that is just sinking us. We have the fourth best hitting uh, and the fourth worst pitching. So we'll keep plugging away. I mean, we got Kershaw and freaking Felix Hernandez for crying out loud. If we can get somebody to pop, we just need these disasters to stop. You know, the third of an inning and 500 runs like Trevor May. I mean, the dude was pitching very well. I I, I stand by having him, but that's such a nightmare. Uh, And then Rodriguez was pitching well and then just kind of a welcome to the big leagues tour lately with him getting crushed. It's so frustrating, Jason. It's so frustrating. Uh, Indeed. We have the the names. We we lack the production. Yep. And and we really need that production because the names aren't going to get us the trophy. I don't think. Maybe we can petition for that. Anyway, Jason, we got to wrap up. Uh, you're out in Philly. Have a great time. Try not to run into Jonathan Pavelbon anywhere because you will get in trouble. For as much as we clown on him, he would beat the hell out of both of us. Yes, um, he would. So uh, you don't want to mess with him. Just stay chill in, Philly, in Philadelphia and enjoy your, your convention. We'll talk in a week. All right, bud. Take care.